0: To another episode of Everything Imaginable, I am your host Gary Caccialillo, and before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening, and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of *The Reluctant Messenger*, and Joseph Simkovic, author of *How to Kiss the Universe*, and Mizaida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. And you can find her at MsAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. You can find Ginger at TarotByGinger.com. She's a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer. And you can find her at TarotByGinger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Anna Hunter, and she has a book out called Star Torn Sky, and uh, we're here to find out what it's about. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, anytime. So, um, what is the uh, general storyline of the book?
1: So, the the theme is kind of a post-apoc dark fantasy and a terrible event occurs in the beginning of the book which creates a worldwide disaster and the survivors are trying to survive in this this chaos
0: Mm. apocalyptic world huh so what happens, I want to obviously reveal all the plot, but when I look at the titles, ta- Star Torn Sky, I'm assuming, I don't know, a meteor or asteroid or something like that?
1: Yes, you're, you're definitely correct there, yeah. Um, it's a falling star just completely decimates the world and it creates this ripple effect in, um, in the planet And you actually find out in the prologue, like, basically the that uh, the world is the planet is more than just a planet. And you find that out when the meteor hits the Earth.
0: Wow. The planet's more than a planet? Yes. Interesting. So is the planet like a spaceship?
1: No, it's not a spaceship. It's it's actually a living thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go too far into it, but it kind of like is a literal living thing, not like a, the earth is alive spiritually, you know.
0: Um, uh, so it's not like it's, a Gaia a, thing.
1: No, it's not a Gaia thing. It's, a, it's an actual living creature, hmm. like a giant creature.
0: Wow, that's weird. Yeah. How do you think of that?
1: Um, it's kind of, it's kind of been my goal to think about different kinds of life. Um, there's, I've kind of been building this world for a long time, uh, ever since I was like 13. And I've had a long time to think about different kind, like what life looks like outside of what we think, like what we believe life to be. Um So this is like a life form that is disguised as a planet. And that was one idea that I had that I really liked. And, but there's there's other kinds of living things in my book that, don't really follow like the course of what we think is mm-hmm. alive and if we weren't looking for it we wouldn't realize that it's alive
0: interesting i was having a conversation with one of my guests not that long ago about how you know the possibility that things like even like rocks are alive however you know their the span of what their of their existence is so long that to us they look like they're still and not moving, but over like a over a grand time frame of things, they're, they're they're actually alive and have their own consciousness and their own purpose.
1: Oh wow, that's fascinating! It's kind of like taking like animism and like like expounding on that.
0: Yeah. Do Do you think that? Um, there is a possibility of the earth actually being something else?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I'm actually, uh, spiritually, I'm a pagan. So like I'm a Druid, Druidic pagan. So mm-hmm. I love the earth and I, I feel a strong connection to the earth and I feel that the earth is alive in its own way, but I don't think it's necessarily the same as in my book.
0: Mm. So you just think it's alive more in a spiritual way.
1: I think it's more mysterious than that. Um, That's kind of the beauty of spirituality is that it has a mystery. Like you, you don't know exactly how it's alive. You just know it. So I won't say that it's like just a spiritual belief that the earth is alive because it could be more alive than I see and that I understand.
0: Yeah. Plus you have to define what is alive, right? I mean... I mean, Mm -hmm. is it alive, walking, talking, and breathing, or is it more? I mean, spirits, for example, I mean, obviously they seem to be alive, but they're not, seem to be organically present here. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. So how long did it take you to write the book? I mean, you started this when you were 13?
1: Yeah, I started drawing and creating characters and stories with these characters when I was young. And, um, I didn't start writing the book until I was twenty five, so that was about ten years ago
0: and so it took you ten years to write the book.
1: Well, it took me about two years to write the book, but I sell I tried self-publishing it, and it wasn't very successful um, so I went back over the book and did a lot of edits. And then looked into publishing with a company, and that's where I am now.
0: Awesome! And how long has the book been out?
1: Uh, it's only been out for like maybe not even a month.
0: Hmm. Any uh, any um, sequels on the way?
1: Oh yeah! I've actually um, I've completely finished the second one. And I've been working on editing that now. But I also have a third one that I'm working on a rough draft for. Mm.
0: When you write, do you write your books in order or do you jump around from one book to another or one chapter to another?
1: So far, um, I've been writing one book at a time. However, as I got started with the third one, I was like, the story was going the way the story goes kind of with its own life. And then I was thinking of things to add to the second book to make more continuity between the books. So it's kind of a little bit of, a little bit of both. Yeah.
0: How about the character development? How did you do that? Did you take people from your regular life and turn them into characters and just change the names?
1: At first, when I was young, I did that. Um, the, Kind of like the first characters I started with were like me and my friends. Um, When I was 13, my best friend died in a sudden and unexpected accident. So I started drawing like her and my group of friends and kind of writing stories about things that we'd be doing if she was still alive. And it was kind of like a way for me to cope and from there the stories got more mature as I, as I aged and the characters took on their entire, like, like a completely new life from where they started and they've evolved with me.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, your characters have to evolve when you came up with the post-apocalyptic theme, especially it was like a, something hitting the earth. Did you do happen to go back and do research when, you know, when it actually did happen with like the dinosaurs?
1: I, I did do research, uh, a lot of research for that because I wanted it to be as accurate as possible. I um, did research on what happens when meteors hit the earth. um, What happens when, uh, what happens to the debris to the earth underneath it, it vaporizes. Um, If it hits the ocean, the water completely vaporizes into steam I also did research on volcanic events to see, like, like you know, any kind of volcanic smog, uh, lava. There's lava when when this all goes down in my book, which is why I was doing research with that. So, um, I didn't research about dinosaurs, but I do love dinosaurs.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Because it's always fascinating. Like you know, one of the topics that comes up a lot. On my podcast with so many people, where I cover archaeology and things like that is whether um, humans existed at that time when the earth was hit and somehow actually survived it, but there's no record because everything else was destroyed. And um, if that happens in your book, how did humans actually survive the event?
1: Well, um, that's a good question. Um, In this story, there are magical guardians. Um, There are mythological beasts, basically, Mm -hmm. that are connected to the earth. And they're able, their powers help the people survive the problems that occur from the cataclysmic event.
0: Hmm. The idea of mythological beasts, to me, is not a far-fetched idea. The fact that anything would want to save humans, though, is. (laughs) Because sometimes I wonder about us and what we're doing. Yes,
1: you have a good point. The humans here, yes.
0: Um, yeah. Do Do you cover anything about space travel in it? Like the idea of maybe after this happens, maybe the survivors would maybe consider moving to another planet.
1: That's a good question. Um, what actually, there is actually um, hintings in the first book that beings from other worlds came there and brought life there. Mm-hmm. Um. In the book, they're they're called Meriton, Wenina, and Adon. And these three beings came from the sky. And they are kind of like worshipped as gods all throughout the world. And each one has like a different kind of idea or belief and... There were kind of like uh, Roman gods, fight, like fought amongst each other, and there's stories of these gods fighting amongst each other, and they cr- they created different kinds of life on the planet here, and some of them are children of these beings, and because the beings were fighting, those their children also fight each other, so it's. It's complicated.
0: No, it's interesting because I also interview people who claim to um, they'll they say that they're star seeds. So they're saying that some of their DNA is from an alien race, and you know, and they're here to help us. Another one that comes up a lot too is I forget what it is, but there was some kind of vulca- some town that got wiped out by a volcano. I forget where it was at, but one of the stories behind that is that. Just before the town was wiped out by a volcano, that a bunch of extraterrestrials came down and took all the people and colonized them on another planet.
1: Hmm. That's interesting.
0: It is. Do you think something like that would be possible?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Do you believe in extraterrestrials? Yes. Hmm. I do too.
1: I um, I, I believe that the world and the universe is so mysterious and complex; it's beyond our understanding. So that's kind of like why I was reaching for, um, like, I was really reaching for like different ideas and um, like different kinds of life forms. So the mythological beasts in my world, a lot of them are inspired by like life forms or like um like m- like real life mythological creatures, like shadow people, mm-hmm. um ghosts, um reptilians to an extent, but there's like each kind of like each mythological beast has like a like their it's origins and inspirations come from real life um like legends like urban myths and things like that
0: so what is your theory or what do you think where do you think that where do you think humans came from what do you think is the origin of life on this planet
1: Um, hmm. I think that sometimes I play with the idea that there are more advanced peoples out there and people that are like us and because the universe is constantly expanding one day we're going to have to, like, it's going to stop expanding and it's going to start shrinking again. And I think I, it's my, it's my thought that these more advanced people, because they're more advanced, they're further out in the universe than us, because that's how time is. Um, and they're coming back closer to the center of where the explosion was, which is in the past. Uh, well, the big bang theory anyway. And they might be trying to, they might have planted us here to try to advance our society so that someday maybe we can find a way to survive the collapse. If that makes sense. Mm
0: mm-hmm. hmm. It's
1: it's like an idea I've had.
0: But where do you think that we came from? Do you think we evolved here? Or do you think we were planted here?
1: I think maybe maybe the building blocks were put here, kind of like seeds. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, it's entirely possible that we're being, like, we were guided and helped and pruned like a garden, you know?
0: So, so you think it was, you an know, or a cross between, possibly, like an organic process and a hybrid hybridization?
2: Yeah,
0: it's an interesting one. See, I even wonder sometimes if this is real. That's just a weird dream.
1: Yeah, I've had moments like that too.
0: Because it doesn't make sense that we're here. You we don't understand it. I don't understand how, how life happened. Or could happen yeah, in, in such a random way. I, yeah, I don't so, I don't buy it. It has Yeah, it's to
1: one be. of those mysteries.
0: Hmm. So during this calamity and and, and, and like, like how, how do people live afterwards? Did he, did he, did he try to start civilization again? Do they scrap the idea of civilization and sort of just go back to, you know, living like a tribal primitive life? What happens?
1: So, the kingdom closest to the impact, that w- that's where the story is. It's called Datis so it's the kingdom of datis and it's the land of dragon people and it was very badly affected by the the meteor they um civilization broke completely broke down and uh kind of went back to like a clan and like back to like clans and like scavenging and very cutthroat Mm -hmm. and that's some of the problems that this the main survivor group that you're introduced to have to battle with is the natives who are desperate and scared and the people that you get to know in the book they're foreigners most of them are foreigners to the world uh, to this kingdom. and you learn more about why they're there, but um, in other places of the world, they were affected differently. And I researched what would happen when, a me- like, if a meteor hit the earth, how uh, tsunamis would be, earthquakes, uh, fires from the firestorm of falling debris, like, how far that would be. Um, And basically every... Like, I decided and figured out, based on the map I drew of the world, where each area was affected by different disasters. So every continent, regardless of how far away they are from the impact zone, is affected in some way. And I figured out, you know, which cities have fallen and which ones are safe. Um, So it depends on which kingdom or country it is. But most of the city, like big cities, have fallen. So there's a lot of people trying to rebuild. And there's some people who are just splitting off into chaotic factions. So there's a little bit of both.
0: Hmm. What about food? Like one of the things that I've heard, if this was actually to happen, that – all the from the from the impact it would be so much volcanic activity and and because there would be steam from the water and all this stuff that would block out the sun for like a 100 years so therefore there would be no food so what would people do eat each other
1: you're absolutely right um they don't <laughs> some some people did eat to eat each other but um in this um the smog and the ash and the fire killed most of the plants in the, the closest kingdom. The, the people struggle to find things to eat because of that. So that's also in the book. Um, they mostly scavenge people's houses for food, like anything that's preserved The ocean was also massively affected by the ash and uh, the smog. So there's a lot of dead things in the ocean. So it's difficult to find food there as well. There are in other places of the world, they've discovered ways to grow food so that it's not affected by the ash, which mainly is like underground in caves um using underground water using earth from underground that doesn't have like the pollutants in it from the smog and ash
0: mm. if you were in that situation personally would you eat another human being uh,
1: um no i don't think i could um (laughs) i know what happens to people when you eat other people um it it alters your dna permanently you know and that's not it's not right i don't i don't know though you know i'd have to be in a survival situation you know if you're desperate enough
0: i think i would but actually, I've done an episode. I've talked about it at least on, like, i done on cannibalism as a spiritual practice, where people would, um, in some cultures, people will eat a little bit of the deceased mm-hmm. to sort of take them in as a like part of themselves in a spiritual way. So it does oh, yeah. go. It does go on.
1: That's entirely scientific too, because like. When whatever you eat becomes part of your DNA, so if you eat a relative or someone you love, their DNA permanently becomes part of your DNA. Like that—that that is exactly what happens.
0: Hmm. I didn't know that. I just knew about sort of like that spiritual aspect part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's something I learned um, through a lot of like my different research and reading and documentaries i watch
0: so i contain the dna of oreo cookies
1: yes and that's actually how um how people can find where your ancestors lived based off of like what they ate in your dna
0: yeah i guess the food would definitely change the dna because i guess like if if you look at people from certain regions they're heavier because they're from colder places because they need to store more fat and people mm-hmm. from hotter regions are thinner because it keeps them cooler. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Evolution is strange.
1: It's very interesting. But there's that's that that's part of the reason why genetically modified like food is such a controversial thing, because it, it all it it goes into your DNA. And that's what like If you introduce something that's not natural, that's why people are like, ugh, about it.
0: So genetically modified food, GMO, leads to GMH, genetically modified humans.
1: Yeah, essentially, because you're you're changing the DNA.
0: So that means we might not even be human because we've been modified by our food.
1: I mean, that's evolution, isn't
0: it? I know, but it could be orchestrated now because we don't even know where our food comes from. Yeah, I have no idea what's in that Oreo cookie. Hmm. Wow. Um. So, in other places of the planet, like what happens there? Like, do you have any places like that freeze over?
1: Yes. There are two places, well, the main, the main kingdom where everything starts, that gets very cold. There's also, uh, three other places that get very, very cold as well. There was also, one of those places is already iced over, so it just gets even colder there, but the people don't even care. Because they, the people there are, basically children of an ice dragon so ice is their jam Mm -hmm. so they're perfectly comfortable in the icy environment Mm -hmm. there are other people um, who live on the land that is guarded by um, like a mother spider and she's like the mythological creature of that area those people have a harder time in the frigid cold that comes to their world, like to their kingdom.
0: Were all these creatures creatures on this planet, or is this something that humans had evolved to as a result of the catastrophe?
1: These creatures, uh, these mythological beings, they, they came first, And then, like, other living things came from them, in a way. Hmm. So, like, they can actually be related to these mythological creatures.
0: Hmm. Do you think that's possible, also, as far as, like, humans go? Like, when you look at, like, um, Egyptian texts and Sumerian texts and... Some of the stuff that comes from Peru, it, it, they, they have these you know gods that, that seem to be like half human, half animal, just like all the mythological creatures that are in our Greek and Roman myths. Do, do you think that stuff was actually real at one time?
1: I mean, I, I think anything's entirely possible.
0: I think so. That would,
1: be, that would be really fascinating.
0: I mean, if people were just putting in stone what they saw, would have to be true. I mean, when you would think that people would put, you know, if they're going to take all that effort to, to carve stuff into stone, um, are they going to carve things that they're imagining or are they going to carve things that they're actually seeing? I'm going to guess that they, they're carving they things have, that they're actually seeing.
1: They probably want to record it and... You know, because they want people to know.
0: Like, like, what does your people do? Do they do anything like that? Do they try to leave any type of legacy for for future civilizations?
1: Oh yeah, there's um, there's books, there's scripture, there's like um, there's spoken word. Like legends, there's songs, all of those things. There's a there's definite culture and ways to share information.
0: Do they have a god?
1: Yes, multiple multiple gods.
0: So there's more They'd, than uh,
1: one It god. depends. Yeah, it depends on where you are. The three beings I mentioned earlier that came to this world, they're known throughout the world. But each kingdom have additional things that is unique to their, their land. So, for example, the, the Mother Spider I mentioned, she is worshipped by the people who live on her land. So, not only do the people believe in the three beings, but they also see her as like, like a goddess, a protector, and a mother
0: so did he rely on that rather than um technology
1: no it's kind of like they the mythological beings don't they give they kind of give the people the tools but the people do whatever they want so the people can tinker and invent and use the tools given to them by the mythological creatures to advance as they want to.
0: Okay. Um, did he ever fight over, you know, which guy is the real guy like humans do?
1: Oh yeah, of course.
0: That's terrible. You think he'd know better. After being practically wiped out.
1: Yeah. Well, when you get wiped out, people try to find meaning in it and people create different reasons for it. And it's those reasons that keep them going and those reasons become integral to their survival. So they would be scared and they would oppose other people's ideas, you know.
0: Do they use magic? Yes. Like, where does the magic come from?
1: Each of the mythological beings has a a kind of magic that they share with certain people. So I, I talked about the Mother Spider. She is called the Mother Mountain because she is basically an immense mountainous spider. So she's the size of a mountain. She is called the Mother of the Earth. So in the essence that she has control of Earth. And the people who worship her are bestowed powers over Earth as well. So they can move rocks. They can levitate rocks. They can break holes in the Earth with magic. So that's one example. Um, The children of the ice dragon have powers of ice. And there's uh, other forms of that kind of magic that's water magic, which is a different kind. Um, And that happens elsewhere. It doesn't necessarily happen where there's ice. So it depends on where you are on the planet in order to use the ice magic. But...
0: And where did those beings get their magic from?
1: Well, um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, each of these beings—they were chosen to—they were chosen to be brought to the planet. So they were chosen for their abilities. Um, Hmm.
0: So there is a sort of a one God above them.
1: Not necessarily one, but there are others that are looking out for the planet. There's, There's definitely some kind of intervention and someone is helping this planet along in some way.
0: Do you personally practice magic? Yes. What type?
1: Um, I guess it'd be mostly like Wiccan based. So maybe maybe I know how to cast a circle. Um, I know how to do incantations. I know how to do sigils. I know how to cleanse a a room. How to create a barrier around the house. Um, How to make magic jars. How to do, um, like, sleep pouches. That kind of stuff.
0: Mm. You love some of my occult episodes that I've done. <laughs> I cover yeah, occult I was... pretty much in depth. In fact, when you mentioned Druidism, um, I have had Michael Greer on. He's like the Arch Druid of the United States.
1: Oh, that's great!
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of my guests I've had on are occultists and practice practice magic. And even myself, I you know I, I've done like. You know, ceremonial magic, and I read tarot cards, and, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So I also do tarot. I do a tarot with my aunt.
0: Which one? Aunt Maggie? The one
1: that, yes, Aunt Maggie. <laughs> Every time I see her, she brings her tarot cards, and I do reading for her, and she does a reading for me.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's our tradition.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got it. Tons and tons of decks now. I collect them. Cool. Do you think that anything is random? Or do you think that everything... Do you believe in destined, like freedom of choice? That like, we, we are actually choosing and making decisions? Or do you think that like, things are faded? You know, like, like they're written in stone. And when you're doing a divination, it's just because that's the way it is.
1: Hmm. I think that to an extent it is life in a way is what you make it, but there are a lot of things outside of our control. So I think that because there's so much outside of our control, one of our ways of coping with that is saying, well, it is what it is, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that we try to make our choices as best we can in a world that we have no control over?
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know the answer to that question either. I don't know if everything is chaos and this is just some random chaotic event. I don't know if it's been orchestrated by some form of consciousness that I don't have the ability to understand. And I don't know if I'm actually making my own choices or if something's making them for me, which makes me sometimes think like too, like, like say, for example, you wrote, you're writing these books. Are you really writing these books or have you been chosen to write these books and you're just channeling them? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that?
1: no, but that's, that's really interesting thing. <laughs> um, my first thing my first thought is um, either way, I feel special. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel good. You know, if I was chosen to write them, I feel special. If I'm doing it of my own accord, I still feel great because I did it on my own, you know.
0: I I, wonder, I I kind of always lean, like, because of the word inspiration. You know, one of the things, like, I'm sure you've heard this before, but, you know, when people sit down and write, Right, or do any type of creative act, you know, the person's inspired, they have inspiration, but the word itself means in spirit, which means it's coming from the spiritual realm, and you're the one who's manifesting it in the physical realm.
1: Oh wow, that's beautiful! I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really in, you know. And I believe, I believe that that everything that humans create, especially as far as art, the written word, this podcast, your book, I think it all comes from the spiritual realm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it's just our job to manifest it here.
1: That's that's a beautiful way to look at it.
0: Yeah, you know, because I know. And I'm sure you've had those moments where you've written something and you're like, what? I wrote that? Yeah. You know? Like you kind of surprised yourself, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's times where I like to think that I created a little world. You oh. know, like a real breathing little world.
0: Oh, it sounds like you've created maybe like, an epic world, like a, a Lord of the Rings type of world, from what you're telling me. <laughs>
1: that that is definitely my goal.
0: <laughs> to do like a Lord of the Rings type of world or um, a Game of yeah. Thrones.
1: I would. That would. That's the dream. Yes.
0: I don't know how those people do it. I, I mean, Lord of the, Ring, the Rings. I could follow, but you know. I mean, Tolkien kind of kept his characters together. But, like, the Game of Thrones stuff, I'm like, how, how did that guy even think of all these characters and keep it all together in his head?
1: Yeah. I actually have a lot of characters in my my book, too.
0: Do you keep an outline of who's who so you don't forget?
1: Yes. I do have a character list. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a chart. <laughs>
0: So you had you have to keep track of a genealogy too?
1: A little bit. Yeah. If there's like if they have significant parents or children, yes.
0: Do you ever just throw one in there for random? A random character yes. that just does nothing? Yes,
1: the, the, yes, and sometimes those random characters that do nothing end up being more important in the story, you know?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. I I write I a story with two characters that I forget what they're doing. <laughs> I can't do it. can't keep track of all that. Like you know, or, or I'll write something and then like you know, say like you go you're doing chapters I write some something in like chapter three, and then by chapter nine, I'll accidentally write something that's contrary to what I said in chapter three. Yes and, and you gotta fix that inconsistency, but then you got yes. to fix that one inconsistency from chapter three to chapter nine. Means that you have to go through all those chapters in between to fix everything.
1: It's, oh yeah, it's crazy.
0: It's,
1: it's a continuity headache.
0: How do you do it? Uh,
1: I've had to, I've had to go back and fix so many things. Um, especially since I wrote my second and started writing my third book, it's kind of like I I develop the world. like in more detail as I go. And as I go, I really like these details and I want to add them for more continuity in the other books kind of, or give more foreshadowing to the future stories. So it's, it's kind of impossible, but I try to do my best.
0: You know what I would do to fix any inconsistencies I would just create a time travel scenario. and we'll say, ah, oh, you travel time. Fixed. There you go. <laughs> Fixes all inconsistencies is time travel.
1: hmm
0: Do you have any time travel in your book?
1: Um not not necessarily. Nothing that I really brush upon. There is hintings at alternate dimensions though.
0: Okay. Hmm. Do you believe in time? Do you believe time is an actual real thing or do you think it's just a something that we perceive?
1: I think that time is definitely a real thing. Um, I think that time is like is a proven thing because It's constant, like the universe is constantly expanding. So time can be measured. You know, you can actually go back in time by going closer to where the explosion, like the explosion of the universe started, and you can go into the future by traveling farther to the like ends of where the explosion happened. So you can technically travel through time that way. And you can also be out, like scientifically, you can be outside of time if you're not if you're moving faster than the speed of light so there's also that
0: Hmm. but time can be measured but we don't know what it actually is just like gravity we can measure gravity but we still don't know what it is
1: yeah that's that's definitely something for the the mathematicians to figure
0: out, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think mathematicians are going to figure it out. I, I, think, I think metaphysics I think they will someday. Metaphysics will figure it out. Quantum physics will. Visit. Well, I think they've already figured it out. I think those things don't exist. I think that time is just a perceptual illusion. But I don't believe it actually exists because if time was real, then prophecy. Would not be possible. Did I lose you?
1: No, no, no. Just thinking about it.
0: <laughs> Do you have any prophecies in the book? Hmm.
1: There's not really... There's not really... Not not in the first book, no there um there are seers, and there's people called augers who get messages um, that help them and help other people, but not not so much in this in the first book. There's actually um in the third book, there well, actually, she comes in and the second book she shows up there's an auger and she is an auger of shadow. So she can see and communicate with shadowlings, which are basically shadow people. Mm -hmm. And no one else can like, not, not everyone can see shadow people, but she can. And that's why she's called the auger of shadow. So she kind of like has prophecies from these little shadowlings and she shares these prophecies with certain people
0: Hmm. Shadow people. So they're like a real thing in anyway, right? Yep. Have you ever seen one? Yes. Where at?
1: Yeah, I actually used to see them a lot when I was a child. Not so much anymore, but uh, they used to scare me a lot. But when I got older and I learned um, more about shadow people, I... Understood that like it was an actual real thing, and I wasn't as scared anymore.
0: I think that shadow people are something. You know, I think our dimension and other dimensions cross, and I think that's where why we're able to see them. I think they're like some other things in the other dimensions, just minding their own business, doing their own thing, and mm-hmm. at certain points, our dimensions kind of clash and. We're able to see them and probably to them, we probably look like shadow people to them.
1: Yeah, that's entirely possible.
0: I think so. You know,
1: like, you know how I keep mentioning the, the, the universe expanding, you know, that's entirely, if you believe in the big bang ID, like if you believe in that, but, um, you know, every time, you know, there could be, there could be life on other planets And we could be passing a point in the universe where there was a life right there at that time just moved out of the way because the universe is expanding. So we could be following the path and seeing the mirage or or the like electro whatever electromagnetic field of a living being that was just there like seconds ago
0: possible I never sorry, thought
1: sorry it's like some crazy shit right there
0: That's cool. That's really cool. I've never heard that one before. That's really interesting. So, since you read tarot cards and do magic, do you consider yourself to be psychic also?
1: Um sometimes it I mostly have like prophetic dreams. I've had two big prophetic dreams
0: what were they Um, can you tell them
1: yeah um one was about when i was when i was 13 my best friend died i had a dream about her and she was on uh, and this was the day before i found out that she passed away I was visiting my dad and I remember the dream was she was on a quad with a boy and she was driving this quad through a field and it was a field of sunflowers and I thought it was really weird and I told my dad about it when I woke up like, oh, I had this dream and he was like, yeah, that is weird and then when I when I went home, I got a call from my friend, um, one of our, from one of our group of friends, and she told me that, that my friend had passed, or our friend had passed away. And it took a little bit, um, after the shock of that, I found out how she died, and I was just, I was in shock because she had died in a quad accident. She was, driving a quad without a helmet on and her little cousin was on the quad with her sitting behind her. That's and tragic. yeah. And she hit a tree and she hit her head and her cousin broke his arm and she was airlifted to a hospital. And I, and from, from what I know, she passed away in a helicopter on the way there
0: and this was like, like how far was your dream between your dream how much time was between your t- the time that you had to dream and the actual incident
1: so i think i had the dream the day she died before i knew she died so i found out the day after she died that she died hmm.
0: Do you think that was her spirit trying to tell you? Yeah. I definitely. believe that too. I, I have a, a, a similar story. I, one time when I was a kid, I couldn't sleep. And I woke up, I don't know, like 3 in the morning. And to get something to eat or whatever. And I go in the kitchen. And my mom was awake. And I was like, wow, what are you doing up at like 3 a.m.? She's like, I couldn't sleep. And then, so we just hung out. And then at like 7 a.m. in the morning, the phone rang. And my great grandmother had passed away, so it was really—I definitely believe that stuff. It's, you know, Mm they—they contact you. They let you know that they're gone or or that they're okay. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have any ghosts in the book?
1: Yes, there is actually one of the mythological beings in this world is called the mist mother and she is a basically an immense ghost um she's mainly seen as like a misty form so that's why they call her the mist mother and um she is basically the like the main focus in the second book and the second book is called mist mother
0: when does the second book come out?
1: <laughs> um, I'm not sure yet. It depends on how well my first book does.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm sure it'll come out soon, I hope, for you. Um, and you have a third one too, right? Yes. Wow. You're just cranking these things out. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe it'll get made into a movie.
1: Oh, that's that's the dream,
0: <laughs> isn't it? All I, I
1: would, I would cry. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's definitely that's definitely my dream to cr- to create a world that really draws people in and they lose themselves in it and they love it and they enjoy it and they can take a break from reality for a little bit
0: yeah we all need a break from this reality that's for sure yeah great so um before we wrap it up i want to thank you for coming on and um where's where can people find your book
1: so my book is available on Amazon as well as Barnes and Noble.
0: All right. And do you have a, like a, a website, social media account for it too?
1: I do have a Facebook uh, page. It's Star Torn Sky Book.
0: All right. So what I'll do is I'll put the links to um, I can put a link to your Facebook page for the book in a just episode and I'll put a link to the actual book on Amazon also
1: great thank you
0: Great. well thank you for coming on um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and just hang I... on for a moment while I play the outro oh go ahead
1: oh I just wanted to say thank you so much for this
0: ah, anytime you're welcome hang on one second
2: Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at EverythingImaginable2020.com or message him at EverythingImaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guarantee. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. What do like you listen to today? Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to everything imaginable with Gary Cutchhe.